All right, I want you to turn to how many passages of Scripture? Two passages of Scripture, Exodus 3 and Psalm 73. So open your Bible to Exodus chapter 3 and then put a marker at Psalm 73. All right? Exodus 3 and then put a marker at Psalm 73. And here's what I want to preach to you about today. What's so important about worship? So obviously, if you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. What's so important about worship? I got extremely burdened about this uh, during my study time. Even though I was studying about the afterlife and all, I got so burdened about this because I wonder how many of us come for the singing and completely miss what the first part of our service is about and not really understand about worship. If I enter in during worship, and let me say something, there, there can be two people standing beside each other in the same worship service, and one be in the Holy of Holies, and the other be thinking about a business meeting he has next week. And totally miss, one person can have an encounter with God and say, wasn't that worship incredible today? And the other person say, no, yeah, I was okay. It's absolutely amazing to me. Let me say this, every time I enter in, enter into God's presence, God speaks. I've never entered his presence where I haven't heard God speak to my heart. And I want every person to understand that. I, as a matter of fact, I was thinking of the scripture, Revelation, just stay in Exodus 3, but Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, this very famous verse, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, very important verse. We quote it a lot. We use it in evangelism, but we basically talk about Jesus wants to come into your heart. He wants to come in, make his abode with you. He wants to live within you by his Holy Spirit. I understand that. But why did he say and dine with you? And I think it has to do with the fellowship, the intimacy that God wants to have with us. But here's what I'd like to say. When we come to church, we get very excited about the Word, and that's fine. That's good. That's not a bad thing. We love to be fed the Word of God. We bring our Bibles to church, and we love to be fed the Word of God. That's wonderful. But here's what I think mo many people are missing. It's not just about what we're eating, but with whom we're eating. And that's what church is. Church is not just that we go to get a good meal but that Jesus is the one sitting across the table from us. And I think many, many people see the message as the entree and the singing as the appetizer or the warm up. And that's just not true. So I, I wanna help us understand, and I wanna give you three simple words when you think about worship, all right? These will be my three points, but if you wanna go ahead and write them down, you can, all right? Here are the three simple words. Look, listen, and learn. Look, listen, and learn. Let's read Exodus 3, all right? Verse 1. Most people know this as, as um, Moses having this encounter with God. Exodus 3, 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and, and most theologians believe when it says the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's talking about Jesus, and most versions will capitalize angel here. 
appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, notice Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And of course, this conversation goes on for two chapters, all of chapter three and all of chapter four. Now, so here's point number one, look. Point one, look. When I say the word look, I don't mean glance in God's direction when you come to church. When we begin to sing, I want you to turn aside from whatever you've been doing or whatever you have to do this next week or even after the service and look at God. That's why the songs we sing have to do with God's greatness, God's goodness, God's glory, God's attributes, because it's time for us to look at God, not glance, but look at God. And I want you to think about when I say look, let me give you another word. I want to give you a word for uh, worship that will help you probably more than any word I could give you. It's the word focus. The reason here at the South Lake campus just a moment ago, we, we took communion and, and Pastor Zach said to us, even though we're getting ready for this and we're sitting down, I want you to remember we're still worshiping. And during that song, I don't know if you sensed it, but the presence of God came so strongly. Let me tell you why. Because many of us focused on God. We weren't focused on the elements coming by. We took that, we glanced at those, but we kept looking at God. We stayed focused on God. Let me say it another way. Let's not be ADD worshipers. Now, I I can speak about this, and I've never wanted to say that I had it. I've never wanted to speak that over me. But uh, I I will tell you this. Uh, Everyone around me knows that if you're not very interesting, I'm going to start looking somewhere else. But God is very interesting, if you'll look. I can remember we, had, we were having one of our children tested one time, and after he was tested, we went in and we met with a person, and literally this happened. My wife and my son can testify to this. They were there. We were in downtown Fort Worth. We were sitting in, a, in about the fifth floor of a building, and right out the window was the Trinity River. And the person said to me, who did the test, is there any history of ADD in your family? And I said, look, that guy just caught a fish. She said, I'll take that as a yes. (laughs) Stay in Exodus 3. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled face, and the veil is taken off in Christ, we're told. When you become a believer, the veil comes off. Beholding as in a mirror, remember the word mirror, the glory of the Lord or the presence, the manifest presence of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now think about when you look in a mirror and I know sometimes you say, no, I just glance at mirrors. I don't like to look intently, but most of the time we look intently because we're trying to fix some things in us. We're trying to change the reflection of what we see into what we want it to be for that day. That's the same way if we will come and look at the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, 
We literally will be changed. There are two places I've seen that we change more than anything. The Bible calls the glory of God, beholding his glory, which is worship, and, and the word of God a mirror. I'm telling you, when you look intently at the word and when you look intently during worship, you're changed into his presence more than any other time that I know of. I had this happen these last two weeks. Last weekend, I spoke for Pastor Jimmy Evans, the week before Pastor Chris Hodges, because those were study breaks, you know. And I was preparing to come back, but I could go and speak in other churches on the weekend. When I was at Pastor Chris's church, Chris Hodges, if you remember, I told you we, we bought a new home and we're in the process of selling our, our other home. And we got up that morning and I had an email that the contract had fallen through on Sunday morning and I was going to preach. And I went in and it was during worship and I kept thinking about, okay, what are we gonna do? What, do we regroup? Do we lower the price? And I kept thinking about these things. And while I was thinking about the Lord, and sometimes the Lord is strong with me, the Lord said to me, stop it. Look at me. Just like that. Stop it. Look at me. And I began to worship God and set my focus on him. And listen, everything changed. All of a sudden it was like, why am I even thinking about this? It is not my responsibility to sell my home. I can't do anything about it except what you tell me to do. It's yours. And I said, Lord, I, and my whole perspective changed. And that's when the Lord spoke to me to share on this because I thought to myself, how many of our people come in burdened and weighed down and don't really focus on God? And yet they sit through the song service waiting for the meal when the meal's right in front of them. All right, so number one, look. Number two, listen. Verse four in Exodus three says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Listen, God was waiting until he had his attention to speak. When my children were, were young, I used to say to them, look at me, look at me. And then I would give them instructions because I knew if they weren't looking at me, they weren't focusing on me. I wonder if all of us that want to hear God and need a word from God about our family, our business, our health, whatever it is, we need to hear God. I wonder if God's waiting to speak until we look. When God saw that he turned aside from what he was doing and looked, then God spoke. I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you. It is amazing to me how much we want to hear God's voice, yet how little time we spend in his presence because it's in his presence that he speaks. Let me show you a few verses about his presence. Psalm 100 verse two, come before his presence with singing. So it is very important that we do sing, whether you have a good voice or not, that's not important. It is important that we focus our heart. Psalm nine verse three, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. Listen to me, the enemies that are coming against you, those spiritual wickedness in high places is defeated by the presence of God. You'd be surprised how many victories you could win in your life if you just enter God's presence and let God take care of them. Uh, Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 68, eight, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. Let me tell you two things about that verse. Blessings come from his presence and mountains move by his presence. Blessings come by his presence and mountains move. By the way, Let's pray for rain because it's spiritual. We're in a drought. We're in a drought spiritually in our country. We're in a drought economically. Now we're in a physical drought. First the spiritual, then the natural. 
So I want us to go to war for prayer. Well, how many of you will agree with me? Will you go, let's pray. Let's pray for rain, spiritual and natural rain, all right? And then Acts 3.19 says, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Pretty self-explanatory. We always begin elders meeting with worship, always. This last Tuesday was our elders meeting. We worship. We just spent time in, in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord just showed up and we must have sat for a long time. I was looking for a, a time, minute or so, an estimate. 20 or 30 minutes, that's what I was thinking, 30 minutes. I didn't want to exaggerate, but we probably sat 30 minutes in the presence without saying a word, without anybody praying, because normally we go into prayer. But his presence was so strong. And as we began to go around the room, it was amazing how God spoke different things to each of us. So come into his presence if you want to hear his voice. If you want, look, focus, listen, And then here's number three, learn. Remember God said, take your sandals off for the place where you stand is holy. Let me tell you the first thing you learned. Anything God touches is holy. (laughs) That's the first thing you learned. But he learned a whole lot more than that. It wasn't just these two chapters talking to God. Moses continued to talk to God. Do you know, do you realize Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament of the Bible? Did you realize that? Do you know though when Exodus 3 happened? It was 2,500 years after creation. Think about this. It's been 2,000 years since the time of Christ. It was longer than that. 2,500 years after creation comes Exodus 3. Okay, how could Moses write the first five books of the Bible other than God taught him? How could he write about Adam and Eve? How could he write about the seven days of creation? How could he write about Abraham? How could he write about Noah? How could he write about all that other than he spent time in the presence of God? Psalm 103 verse 7 says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Do you see what the difference there? He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Let me say it another way. He made known what he did to Israel, to the children of Israel. He made known why he did it to Moses. And by the way, you say, well, Moses was special. No, God said, let all the people come up to the mountain. Let all the people come. And you know what the people said? No, 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 you go up. You go tell us what he's saying. And that's what people do today. Pastor, you you go and tell us what God's saying. When God is saying, no, you can come too. You can come too. Let me read you another scripture. and Then I'll get to Psalm 73 after this if you want to go ahead and flip over. But if you're flipping, don't don't, uh, miss what I'm about to show you, okay? You can see it on the screen here. Exodus 33, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass, now watch this, that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. I believe that's where he taught him a lot of what he, he, he understood about the past. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, which would be son of nobody. I'm just joking. 
A young man did not depart from the tabernacle. A couple of things just mentioned. Joshua knew if there's a wisp of that cloud left, I'm staying here. I want what he's got. Second thing, it says that God spoke to Moses as with a friend and Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. From now on, I call you friends for servants do not know what their master's going to do. Implying, but you know, I wanna tell you, I wanna be your friend. All right, now go to Psalm 73 and um, it's a long passage, but I really want us to read it uh, because I think it's so important, this truth here. Psalm 73. I should have put a marker over there like I told you to, but I was talking. All right, Psalm 73, verse one. Truly God is good to Israel. This is David talking. To such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now let's just stop for just a minute. Anybody relate to that? You ever seen the prosperity of someone else and it kind of, you know, envy rises up. All right, this David's talking now. For there are no pangs in their death. Now, obviously there are, but he's, he's now saying, my perspective had gotten off. That's what he's saying. But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart their heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. I, I don't really have time to go into all this. I just want you to notice he's, he's got his perspective off. And they say, how does God know? And there's no knowledge in the most high. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. We felt this way before. And washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. In other words, they're doing great, but I'm having problems. And I'm serving God. And then he said, now if I had said this, I will speak this out. Behold, I would speak, be untrue to the generation of your children. Watch verse 16, 17. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. And then he goes on to talk about the judgment that will come on the wicked. Okay, here, here's his point. Every one of us here can relate to this. Here, God, I'm serving you and I'm having problems and this guy, he's not serving you and he's proud and he's arrogant and he says, there's no God and look, what, look how he's doing. It's just, it's just vain for me to serve you. I mean, why am I even, anyone had this? He said, and then when I thought about, now how, how do I explain this, that the godly are having problems and the ungodly are, are, are prospering? How do I explain this? And here's what he said. I couldn't understand it until, until I went into the sanctuary. <laughs> and then I understood. Listen, your perspective has changed in the presence of God. When you come into the presence of God, everything will change. Now I want to tell you an example of this. Um, Debbie and I, even though we grew up same town, went to the same church. She got saved at nine. I got saved at 19. Uh, I got off the track. You know, my parents know this. I got way off the track. Debbie and I, we were, even though we went to same school and all, we really didn't know each other. She, she knew of me because of my bad reputation, you know. Uh, but I didn't really know her. She was a goody goody. I was a baddie baddie. <clears throat> and when I got saved at 19, I just... I mean, I just fell in love with Jesus. You know, I was delivered from drugs. She was delivered from you know, bubble gum, you know. 
And she looked at my life and here's what she thought. She thought, you know, I can never love Jesus as much as Robert does. That's what the enemy told her. Because people who are saved out of that bad lifestyle, boy, they seem to just really love God. And I don't have that type of testimony. And I, you know, he just, he's just on fire for God. I could never be on fire for God like him. I could never love Jesus like him because I just wasn't that bad. And during worship one time, during worship, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes during worship, y'all just kneel down. And she just knelt down and she was just saying, God, I want to love you like Robert loves you. I want to love you like Robert loves you. And all of a sudden, she saw a vision. And God wants to do this. He does it all through the word. It wasn't mystical. She just saw in her mind. And she saw herself in a white wedding dress. And she looked up and she saw Jesus. And she knew she was the bride of Christ. And she started walking toward him. And then she started running toward him. And all of a sudden, she stepped in a mud hole and fell down in this mud and water, muddy water, you know, and it just covered her. And as she looked, she was completely covered with mud. And her, her arms, the whole wet dress, her hair, even all, all on her back, there was not a, you couldn't see her, her, her skin or her dress anywhere, it was all mud. And she said, I just began to cry, I'm so dirty, I'm so dirty. And when she thought that, the Lord began to just show her in her life sins bad attitudes, rebellion, things that she hadn't thought much of. And she began to feel so sinful. Now, I just, let me take a little sidebar and tell you just, you know, something that uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I need to tell you. You got to remember when I married her, I mean, I just, I just felt so bad. It took me a long time to pray in front of her, you know, because I mean, who wants to pray in front of, you know, Mother Teresa, you know? (laughs) So, and I knew she is bad and I was, I mean, I was bad and she was good. I just knew that, you know. So, so she's telling me this. She said, and God just showed me all this dirty sin in my life. And I'm sorry, but I said, like what? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I didn't think you had any. I want some, I want the dirt, you know. So I didn't tell her that, but I, well, well like what, what? What did the Lord show you, sugar? You know, I just wanted to, you know. And she said, well, mostly it was attitudes. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Give me something else, you know. So she said, well, she said, there was, there was one time. And I thought, okay, you know, and she said, this was, she said, when God showed me this, she said, I just, I couldn't believe that I did this. And I thought, what'd you do? She said, well, she said, you remember in school, we had notebook paper in in a three ring binder and it had, you know, three holes in the notebook paper. And if, if one of the holes ever tore, you know, you could go to the store and there was a little package of like little white holes, you know what I'm talking about? That you could stick on the paper to, you know, fix it, you know. And she said, I had one piece of paper where one of the holes had torn out. And so we went to the store and I asked my mother, I said, would you buy these? And my mother said, you know, you just got one. I mean, I can, you know, we'll put tape on it. You know, that's Texas. You know, I got duct tape fixed that right up, you know. <laughs> so I'm sure her mother meant, you know, clear, you know, tape, whatever. But anyway, she said, when my mother wasn't looking, I took one out of the package. Can I tell you how disappointed I was? That's the worst thing she ever did. I mean, I robbed the store, you know? I mean, they didn't just steal one. Come on. All right, so anyway, let me go back. So anyway, she's in her vision. Hope I didn't spoil the moment, but she, but she realized 
how sinful she was. And you know, all of us know the, the attitudes, the bitterness sometimes, the, the, the rebellion in our heart. And she just knew she was dirty. She was just, and she, here's what she realized. I was as bad as Robert. I was just as bad in my heart. And all of a sudden she saw two feet standing in front of her with holes in them. But what she remembered most was there was no mud on those feet, but he was standing in the mud puddle. You realize this is the gospel, that he came to us yet without dirt, without sin. She looked up and he was completely white, robe white, and he had no, no mud on him anywhere. And he put his hand out like this. And when she put her hand in his hand, the mud just began to go away all over, completely clean. And as she lifted her up and she stood up, she looked down, the mud went away and the mud turned into gold. And she began to dance with her groom. That happened during the singing. And she's never been the same. I'm telling you, please, I want you not just to think we have a good band, but I want you to enter into his presence and let him speak something to you every time we come together. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The reason I ask you to close your eyes at the end of the message is not to try to manipulate you in any way at all. I just want you to have a moment with just you and God where you don't have any other thing that you're looking at or thinking about. And I just want you to ask the Lord. We, we've done this almost every week now since we began the church. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? And I, I think it could be something along the lines of, you know, don't see worship as just singing. See it as a time to meet with God, to have a vision, to hear a, a word from God, to talk to God and let God talk to you. Let's worship. Let's enter his presence together. We want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficult time right now, if you need prayer for any area of your life, please don't be embarrassed. There'll be other people coming at each campus. When we stand, you just come to the front and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs any prayer in Jesus' name, amen.